Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk, movie musings for mostly everyone. Listen as these boys attempt to unravel the clues I have so expertly hidden in this film. And remember, where there's a mystery, you can always find me, Mr. E. chunks and a hunk my name is jordan wonders and this week i am your chunk i'm doge and methinks our friends a tad bit chunkered in the head (laughs) and i'm carter and i am not the hunk and if i were i certainly wouldn't tell you (laughs) okay Ah, but see, knowing what I know, I've deciphered your codes, I've analyzed your handwriting, and I know that, in fact, Carter, you are the Well, hunk. I just needed to look I told in you the I'm eyes. not. You can't prove it. I told you I'm not. Like, I just put in, like, calls to be like, okay, I am the hunk. Um, yes, I am the hunk because I really, I really showed my commitment to this podcast today and simultaneously showed... My tendency for miscommunication. <laughs> hey, by the way, what are, what are you a professor of again? Communication. <laughs> oh. uh, More like Mr. That's communication. Fine. That's fine. I mean, Denzel Washington plays a really good pilot that is also not a really good pilot, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's all these roles out there that are meaningful, and I think it just adds layers. <laughs> um, I uh, So yesterday, last night, as I'm going ahead and... and cramming in the last bit of Zodiac late at night because of the recording. I, uh, I say we're recording Tuesday, right? And they're like, yep. And everyone's like, what time works best? And I said, you know, seven, seven 30 works good for me. Our good friend Adam says he's got an event. Uh, and so let's try and do, uh, even a little bit earlier than that. So like six 30 was like the sweet spot. And I'm like, excellent. Kind of stinks for him to have an event at 7am, but whatever. So I'm getting ready, 6.30 a.m., alarm goes off, didn't have the best night's sleep. Uh, come in here and I'm ready. I've got everything set up. And 6.38 rolls around. <laughs> in, in the Slack, I'm like, okay, what's up, guys? We, we doing this? Doge, very kindly, I could, hear, I could hear his tone and it helped ease me. <laughs> Basically just said, oh, no, 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 that's p.m. We were talking about. PM. And then I remember back, like when we initially talked about the Tuesday, even though PM or AM didn't show up in the most recent conversations, the only person to blame still is me <laughs> because we had mentioned that it was PM. So I have what's exciting about this 
is I do have a new solo podcast that I am I'm twelve episodes Great. in. <laughs> 12 uh, by the time, episodes <laughs> yeah, twelve in. episodes in by the time that we get got this started, and so that'll be releasing pretty soon. Uh, and it's just called it's all about um, people that lose people in in movies. So it's still a movie podcast, and it's just called Where Are My Friends? And <laughs> I so we'll get we'll get a lot of that, and that'll be good. Good movie, you know, Armageddon. I'm trying, I'm trying I couldn't think of anything else but that. Armageddon uh, is the number one movie about people losing their friends, I think. Yeah. Harvey. Yeah. yeah. It's just a lot of, <laughs> where are my friends? I don't know. You know, I think the, the thing that we are not taking into serious enough consideration right now is that it's possible that this was a run-of-the-mill miscommunication, <clears throat> but it's possible that this was subterfuge. Mm. It's crazy how quickly I don't think of that, but how could I not? I mean- Knowing that we are being mercilessly stalked by this uh, formerly man, now eldritch abomination, Speaking who does of layers, want to yeah. destroy us for some reason. Wow, wow! Getting to know Mister E better is only bad for us. We don't want to know. Yeah, the more yet. you learn, the deeper the rabbit hole goes. And he has delivered yep. unto yep. us not only this miscommunication, but the next and penultimate movie of our Mister E series, which is known as. That's not the it's penultimate means the no, end. Second right? to last. Second to last. Guys. <laughs> I just learned this. SAT prep, I've been using son. penultimate. I've been using <laughs> penultimate wrong and nobody told me. Now I want to go detective work when I was using it's not nearly as bad as when I was mixing up the words placebo and placenta for like 15 <laughs> years of my Yikes. life. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I would talk about the space jam. I would talk about the space. I would talk about the space jam scene when they have the water bottle that's that's full of basically a placenta. You know how it goes. Oh my goodness gracious! (laughs) (laughs) Struggle town, struggle town. Oh man! Oh man! Derailed, just like the train in Fugitive. Oh, that made my forehead sweaty. Yikes! (laughs) Hey. Well, the movie is, uh, of course, <laughs> known as Zodiac. Our second David Fincher film in uh, almost as many weeks. And uh, I think the, the best thing that we could do to honor Mr. E's wishes is to have Doge deliver a synopsis. That's great, because I have one ready. But first, I need to ask you guys a question. If you have a glass of milk, you pour it straight from the fridge, cold, refreshing, crisp beverage that it is. Just, just to drink, just a glass of milk to drink? Would yeah, never happen. Glass of milk to would drink. never happen. This but premise you, is flawed. Well, I would 100% you go. do that. If it will never happen, that means it's going to sit on the countertop for a while. Yep. Right? Like if it's there for like two, three years, years, two or three decades, what's that milk doing? Curdling. It's curdling. It's curdling. The milk is spurling. Oh, spurling. And that's who has written our IMDb synopsis. Our IMDb synopsis comes from an IMDb user now. called Jay Spurlin. Spurlin. He's Spurlin. He's Spurlin. And he writes. Wait, but is it is it spurler free? It's a spurler free <laughs> synopsis? It's spurler filled. <laughs> Jay Spurlin's about to be spurling this whole movie for us. That's where it, that's where the namesake is. Jay Spurlin says Robert Graysmith is a cartoonist who works for the San Francisco Chronicle. His quirky ways irritate Paul Avery, a reporter whose drinking gets in the way of doing his job. The two become friends thanks to a shared interest, the Zodiac Killer. 
Graysmith steadily becomes obsessed with the case as Avery's life spirals into drunken oblivion. Graysmith's amateur sleuthing puts him onto the path of David... How do you say his last name? Toski. Toski. Onto the path of David Toski, a police inspector who has thus far failed to catch his man. Sherwood Morrill, a handwriting expert. Linda Del Buono. Buono? There's so many names yeah, in this synopsis. Spurler. He's just giving it all, isn't he? A convict who knew one of the Zodiac's victims and others. Graysmith's job, his wife, and his children all become unimportant next to the one thing that really matters, catching the Zodiac. I mean, yeah. So, that's pretty good. I, I don't want to spend... I don't think this movie is quite so much about Jake Gyllenhaal and all his many friends the way that Sperlin positions it. It's not quite as much of a buddy movie. As that sounded like? No, I don't think it's a it's a buddy movie, but it's I would say it's certainly more about Graysmith and Toski than it is the actual Zodiac killer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but before before we jump in, I I have to say this, or I will forget to say it. Bill, uh, is it Bill Armstrong, the partner, uh, Toski's partner? Has anyone ever looked more like another person than he looks like Harlan Williams? <laughs> Wait, let me look at Harlan Williams. Uh, 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 what's the movie? Rocket Man. Oh, very similar. Dude, it, it, very similar. Like, I've seen this movie several times, and every time I'm like, Harlan, mm-hmm. no, it freaks me out. <laughs> Not quite. Mm-hmm. Not quite. Okay. Are we ready to jump into this? Yes. Hang on. I got distracted. Do you see what do you see what Harlan Williams' top credit is? No. no. Um, a n- not rated movie called Fudgy Wudgy Fudge Face. Okay. Yeah, I think he's a. I think he's a weird boy. A UFO crashes to Earth. The first human the alien meets is a hillbilly named Elmore P. Fudge, the dumbest man in the world. (laughs) Elmore learns the alien came to Earth because, like in the movie Footloose, they are forbidden to dance on his planet. Oh my gosh. Elmore helps the alien find a disco, and in the process, they have many great adventures and become best friends. Meanwhile, the U.S. military has tracked the UFO crash, and they reactivate their top alien bounty hunter, Agent 3000, to exterminate the alien. The race is on for the dumbest man in the world to save the smartest being in the universe. No one told it that coming to Earth would be so stupid. Golly, fudgy, what'd you fudge face? Hey, Rocket Man, though, there's some nostalgia there for me. Totally. That movie made me laugh big time in my adolescence. I still laugh at my family still references there being a baker under the bed all the time. You know, I've never seen Rocket Man. You ever seen that movie? Nope. It's really good. I don't know if it is actually, but I love it. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, it depends. It might be one of those things that it. watching it now as an adult, it just doesn't, it might not quite work for me. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's still probably pretty fun. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. But let's talk about I mean, Zodiac. Let's talk about Zodiac. I would like to start by saying I did eventually make it to a point where I could scrounge up a super dump for this movie. <laughs> okay. I did. I really did. This is... I, I've seen this movie several times. This is not my first time. This is not my first time walk, coming away from this movie with this opinion. But with distance from my last watch grows some cloudiness. So this time just kind of reinforced. This has to be one of the best made movies I have ever seen. One of the what? The best made movies. Like as far as the just the craft of making a movie goes. Yeah. It is so, if not flawless, so close to flawless. I feel the same way trying to talk about this that I did trying to talk about Dunkirk, where it's like, Guys, I mean, this is just a masterclass all around from all parts. Right. 
like soundtrack, cinematography, acting, writing, like what I don't know, man. It it is I feel like more people should be talking about Fincher's work in Zodiac. And I feel like he gets this movie gets overshadowed by also very good movies, but like, you know, Fight Club, Gone Girl. I even feel like I hear people talk about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, his version, more than more than this. This yeah. movie. Um and I, I seven. just Seven, yeah, totally. And and I just really feel like maybe it's because this movie is long and just so um, dialogue heavy, and maybe yeah. it's because it doesn't really have a satisfying conclusion necessarily. Yeah, I usually look at the box office on these things, and this movie, you know, it costs like $5 million to make, and it made about- Which is crazy cheap. You say $5 million? Yeah, it ended up making $16 million in theaters in 2007, which is not very much money at all. No. no. And I think what ended up working against this movie, which is so weird to say, but it, I just have a vibe for this movie in general, is that it was just so realistic. I don't know. I don't know a better way to put that. It just felt like, I feel like it was acted so well that it felt like no people are like, I don't really want to go watch a you know, 150 minute documentary, you know, it just, it was kind of, I don't know. There was big names, right? You feel like it should have, and it's a big director even at this time. So, right. so yeah, I, it, it I just wonder, didn't get the, I wonder if part of it too, in 2005, two years before this, there's a movie called the Zodiac that was released. Hmm. An elusive serial killer known as the Zodiac terrorizes the San Francisco Bay in the late 1960s while detectives aim to stop him before he claims more victims based on a true story. And it stars, nobody i've ever heard of interesting and it has like a 20 something percent 21 on metascore and so it's like a it feels like the kind of thing where they're like somebody's making a zodiac movie let's make this and hope people's grandma buy them this dvd instead of the one that they're going to want you know it feels like (laughs) those like like transmorphers exactly exactly and i wonder too if this movie hasn't had the legs that we would expect something of this quality to have because Accidentally, all of our leads later became household names for other things that are huge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this was yeah. right before Robert Downey Jr. was Iron Man. And so now somebody who's never seen this movie is going to watch it and go, oh, it's Iron Man and the Hulk and Mysterio. Hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> right. But see, because sure. we'd all seen this. We were all right. familiar with this aside right. from their Marvel work. But I think this it's it's a hard sell to get people to see this cast as anything other than their Marvel counterparts. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Yeah, I, I hear I definitely hear where you're coming from. Um and there there is, I mean, as with everything, there is an element of like Robert Downey Jr., the way he acts is just kind of by being Robert Downey Jr. on camera and yeah. it works. And I'm never gonna I'm never gonna get tired of it, I think is what I've decided. Yeah, but it's, like you can with Robert Downey Jr., you can say any other thing he's done outside of Iron Man is Tony Stark in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Because it's Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and I, but I feel like for the most part, when he's casting things, they're casting him for that. You know, they want that. They he's want a great that. Act, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it just really. I feel like this movie get. Don't get me wrong. There is a deep, deep appreciation for this movie among people that like take movies seriously and like really, you know, care to go back and watch things they may have missed or things like that. I just don't feel like it gets brought up as being in this in the league that it is in. I guess is my point. Like, I think it, it stands tall with some of the, the greatest movies of the last 20 years. And I just don't think it gets brought up very often. <laughs> Would you say there's a little bit of comparison to like, uh, Chris Nolan's prestige 
in terms of not. just like how overlooked it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think yeah, so. Probably. Yeah. Not, because it's, not uh, obviously not not really in anything else, but <laughs> yeah. And the prestige how is the same way. And I feel like a lot of like people that would consider themselves movie people love the prestige, but a lot of people when they think Nolan think Inception and Batman. Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah, part I of these. It's part of that comparison. crop of like mid two thousands, mid budget, uh, non blockbuster movies, right? By right. established directors, but it's like at this point, it's two thousand seven. We're all concerned about watching Spider-Man 3, about watching the first Transformers, about watching, you know, another X-Men movie. Oh, man, I was concerned about watching that first Transformers, too. I saw it like five times in theaters. No it was way. amazing. I loved it. It, it was shattered a, my brain. Experience. <laughs> but see, that's like the kind of stuff I wonder. Do you know what time of year this came out? I'm just wondering what it was up against. Uh, March, the 2nd of March. Interesting. So that's like right after the Oscars. So it's kind of at a... A limbo. There's not necessarily good things that happen in February during this time. And maybe early March is kind of an interesting time to release. I didn't look at nominations for this. What was it looking like for Zodiac? Uh, No Oscar nominations. What? (laughs) That's wild. So it was was fifth place in the domestic box office for March 2007. 300 was number one. Uh, Wild Hogs was number two. Oh my goodness. Wild Premonition, Hogs. Premonition was number three. Don't even know what that is. TMNT, the animated Ninja Turtles movie, was number four. Michael Bay. No, no, no. No, that was before. Oh, oh sorry. This sorry, was sorry. the animated one. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Well, I know. It's wild. That wild, is wild Hogs. Wild Hogs was the number two movie in March of 2007. Martin Lawrence and Tim Allen, right? I think the stardom, like cultural relevance biggest leap that happens is y'all are right. It's a year after this for one of these actors. And I think that would have completely changed things. Like if Zodiac was uh quattro stuff sandwiched between <laughs> at least an Iron Man and another Iron exactly. Man, you know, yeah. then, then this would have done so much. If more. this came yeah. out 18 months later, because RDJ really Iron Man is considered his big break. And Zodiac is forgotten as something that was a big deal for him to come back, right? Because he he's kind of going through a lot at a certain stage in his life to even get back into show business. Well, he even did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang before this as yep. his like, so, sort of first toe, toe yep. back in. So yeah, that is interesting. It's just bad timing. That's funny, the influence that can have. Because there, there can't be anybody that like respects movies in general and watches this now and is like, no, I get it. Like, I don't think it's... Right? Totally. Yeah, it feels like it only makes $16 million. No way. That's crazy. Well, yeah. Even if you say like, hey, this isn't really my style or not for me. I feel like if you if you are a person who appreciates movies, you have to be able to watch this movie and go, yeah, this is really, really well done. Sure. I wonder if this is one of those things where it's just for the three of us, our exact taste in movies and storytelling aligning perfectly. There's a chance. You There's know? certainly you know, it's and, happened before. <clears throat> I know we're nowhere into the plot yet, but in terms of like, aligning perfectly i do want to go ahead and share my super pump um and i'll say too like i think um i think maybe when we talk about like thinking that as we watch them now thinking them of uh, thinking of these three main actors as mcu characters i bet people are more prone to forget jake gyllenhaal was mysterio than yes because we get a ton of reaction we get a ton of like the relationship between robert downey jr and mark ruffalo in this movie is actually really similar to the relationship between Tony Stark and Bruce Banner. But um, my super pump is very subtly uh, Mark Ruffalo. I think uh, he this is a uh, 
on a pedestal version of what he is just really good at. And Mark Ruffalo, I think he is such a good actor that he just really, it's one thing to feel like, I don't feel like he's acting. Like Daniel Day-Lewis is completely different. Daniel Day-Lewis seems like a uh, boisterous, elaborate, good actor. Transformative. Becomes completely different people. And that is amazing. My favorite actor, Gary Oldman, hides behind prosthetics and wigs and you forget it's him. Mark Ruffalo just barely, I don't know, man. He's, he's definitely himself, right? It's like when you're watching Robert Downey Jr. and you're like, okay, he's just playing Robert Downey Jr. But there's something about Mark Ruffalo's performance in almost any movie that feels so incredibly genuine. And I know that's what a good actor is supposed to do. Yeah. But the role that he's playing uh, as, as Inspector Toski, like, especially when he's starting to have the dynamic with Jake Gyllenhaal as uh, Graysmith starts being consumed in the way that Toski had been. Uh, almost a mentor-mentee kind of relationship. Yep. Um, I think the way that he's relaying that information and also simultaneously interested and also saying, leave me alone because I don't want to get back into this anymore. I'm over it. The way he's able to balance that and just not overdo it, I think is pretty brilliant. And if anything, this is one of those that's kind of like, uh, when you want to tell somebody about a movie that you don't feel like that they've seen before, right? Like right now for me, it's a movie like uh, Upgrade or... Children of Men. Yeah. Like if you want to flex a little bit and be like, hey, I can recognize things that are good. Yeah, and you just want to bring it up for that awesome. sake. <laughs> you're, you're not saying it's the best movie in the world, but you know it's going to impact somebody. Right. And they maybe ha- not have noticed it before. Mark Ruffalo is that manifest right. yeah. as an actor for me. Yeah. Like go check out it's his like, other hey, stuff. Right. Yes. I can confidently say watch everything this man has been in and he's going to be super impressive. It's not going to be flashy. Yeah. But so I think I think he was he excellent. does He does tired really well. I feel like he's yeah. he's like... <laughs> we said the same thing about Pacino, remember? Yeah, In, yeah. Uh, Insomnia. With Ruffalo, I feel like if you're if you're playing like an RPG and you're rolling for like uh like descriptions of an item or something, and you know your DM's got like a list on a table, Mark Ruffalo consistently rolls tired professor. And that's his <laughs> yeah. vibe that he's always giving off. Yeah. Tired professor. Sure. Yeah. And the modifier is tweed. Something about yeah, his tweed. That's great. That's great. Well, I feel like Mark Ruffalo is really good at expressing uh, the weight of knowledge. Yes. Like oh, knowing nice. things. Nice. Like this, like I love him he's in Spotlight. He's like, my favorite so thing. Smart. He's, he's tired from being so smart and having to be the person who's ahead of everyone else. Yeah. And it's just so weighty. And, but he's still got other responsibilities. Like, so we, we know, we know about me. Jake Gyllenhaal is my number one favorite actor. Yeah. Um, yep, 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 yep. I, yeah. yeah. I love him. I I think that he is incredible. I love everything he's ever done. And so that is why it is, uh, in my heart, a monumental feat that uh, my super pump is also Mark Ruffalo in this movie. Oh, wow. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, he is- That's I, awesome. I, I said to Callie while we were watching it, I was like, I feel like I could listen to him talk all day. Like there's something yeah. about like- the airiness and lightness of his voice that I just want to listen to. Like, I just want to be like, he knows stuff and like hear what he says. And I think for me, you said, you said so much so well that I don't want to take too much more time on Mark. No, I love him. Uh, But I do just want to say for me, the moment that sells it is when um, Gray Smith and Toski are meeting and sort of getting intense for the first time. And he hits him with the, uh, I'm not allowed to tell you that. I can't tell you that. 
There's no way that I can tell you that. I cannot tell you to go speak to, and then starts giving him this information. Yeah. And he does it so subtly that even me watching it, I'm not prepared for the twist joke of yeah, like he takes is you a telling second. Him. Like I have the same reaction of Robert of like, oh no, no, get paper, get paper. He's saying stuff. <laughs> He's saying important stuff. And I think yeah. it's because everything he says feels important. So it's like when it gets real important, there's no shift because he's just that intensely good. Um, yeah. yeah, he, Mark Ruffalo is uh, so surprising to me, but only because he was up against my favorite boy. That is um, really yeah. surprising. Yeah. I felt uh, confident that wrong. was going to be your super pump. I got, I got miles of good things to say about Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in this movie. But yeah. Well, um, I do too. That's why he's going to be my super pump. Okay. Nice. I know, okay. Jake, I know you listen. I know you were worried. <laughs> That you didn't make our Jill and Hall of Fame, but you did, and you're my super pump, even if Jordan hates you. Don't. Uh, what if he listens? Whoa, he thinks whoa, I hate him. Whoa. Don't. <laughs> uh, his, I don't need to bring it up to you guys. I'm confident you've seen the the YouTube compilation that's like Jake Gyllenhaal's eyes are different in every. Dude, I have place. watched it like a dozen times. How he acts with his eyelids, but Jake, he does <clears> such <throat> a good job playing this guy. Like we all know this guy, who's like. Oh my gosh. So just a sweet, sweet boy who like would never do something to hurt somebody. You know what I mean? And just like this kind of like the quiet awkwardness of somebody who is so kind Mm -hmm. and like socially unaware that they're being kinder than, you know, they just think they're doing what everybody does. Right. Or what everybody should do maybe. Exactly. I can't think of a time I've seen. Like it reminds me of, of the King speech when it's like, how on earth do you even play that character? Right. Like right. I've never seen somebody do something like that before. Uh, he just think, blows me away in this movie. Dude, and his yeah. journey from his journey from quirky to manic yes. is pretty subtle and pretty unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, I used to think it was Casey Affleck, but I think the best person to play my groomsman and one of my best friends ever, Tommy Fancotch, uh, would be... Jake Gyllenhaal, because as you're describing it too, like that is a lot of the reasons that I just, I really love Robert Graysmith because I've experienced this person before. And I think they are all good at that. And the, uh, Jordan, you were talking too about like, cause I think Jake Gyllenhaal also carries a quality of this just feels like a genuinely good person that I could just listen to for a long time. And you said sure. that about Mark Ruffalo and a lot of his co-stars almost a hundred percent of anytime you ever hear anything about working with Mark Ruffalo, the reason he got this job is because uh, I think it was, it was an actress like Julia Roberts or somebody Aniston. or Jennifer Aniston yeah. had, had been working with. Uh, and I think was the other one, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep, it's Mark and Jake. She was like, they're just it's the these best. two guys. Yeah. yeah. They're the best. Cause, cause Fincher was like, Hey, you know, who should I be going after? Who have you really enjoyed working with before? And those were the two off the top of her head. Wow. And so, yeah, Ruffalo and both of these dudes never had an Oscar. They have never won an Oscar. And oh, boy, I hope travesty. It Absolute yeah. travesty. And I'll tell you what. You got to feel like Hollywood's pulling for it. It's them. funny because Gosling is somebody that is climbing the ranks as far as people I say. think can do anything. Yeah. And I don't think he personally has won an Oscar yet either, has he? No. No. I don't think he has. Has Dude, he even been nominated? Mark the three of them. I mean, don't get me wrong. Let's let's get back on Zodiac. But the fact that Gyllenhaal didn't win something for Nightcrawler will never be okay. Yes. Yeah. Night, That's so dumb. Nightcrawler is. Ugh. Uh, 
Oh, yes. You remember? Because he's, we've talked about this. Gosling's been nominated for La La Land and Half Nelson, but I said Hawk Nelson. Oh, oh yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He has been nominated twice. Oh, so good. So it, it's interesting when, when a movie is um, mostly historically based because it feels weird uh, critiquing plot elements or like, really analyzing plot elements because it starts to feel more like true crime than it does yeah. a movie. So this is kind of different territory for us in the sense of a lot of what there is for us to sort of chew on and um, decide how we feel really mostly is going to come down to the craft of the movie itself. The presentation. Versus, yeah. yeah. And I know all three of us are um, big time story boys with obviously a lot of other things too, but story is so important to us and story is kind of backseat in this movie. I mean, it's, it's important for the viewer, but as far as the actual movie yeah. product itself, the story yeah. I, was so there. In terms of story, I almost super pumped the investment that this production team took into actually trying to solve this case. Yeah. Into actually yeah. going back and looking at the Zodiac massive, massive Martian vibes. The Martian. Because yeah. we talked about my favorite thing about that movie was what that has done, like what that did, like how to a T they were doing that stuff. And then even in Interstellar, like how because yeah. of that, Black holes we learn about like the this. universe yeah. because of a movie. I love that movie making can be a surrogate for actually uncovering stuff. Well, this it's movie made the, the Zodiac case reopen. That I love that. It's That's a little the bit of like one the serial on. effect too. Where yeah. it's like, we're yeah. going to tell the story of this unsolved case and in so doing, maybe we'll solve it. Yeah. Love that because they've got the budget too and they just get to say it's for the sake of telling this story. Amazing. I do love that. And I think there is, uh, in terms of like the way this was filmed, I, f I almost just super pumped how many just smart decisions from David Fincher, like just tiny things. Like, let's go ahead because I was fine with the CGI blood. He was like, we're going to like, this is going to be to like save production time. We're just going to CGI the blood splatter. And like, there is no practical effects on the shootings. Uh, and then for some of our shots that have like from above, I love those shots. It, it, there are portions of it that feel very video gamey. Like you're going from one scene to the next. Over that taxi. Um, when the, the taxi, taxi is especially. driving, that shot is <coughs> weird and awesome. Yeah, I like that shot a lot. Yeah, but there was a lot of stuff. I loved that this was a 200-page script, and David Fincher said, I'm not really going to eliminate any of these things because I think <laughs> right. it all needs to be here. So I need everybody to talk about 20% faster than you normally do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I, I love, I, and I, I know a lot of people don't, and that's okay, um, but I love dialogue-heavy movies. Like, I love getting lost in dialogue Aaron and Sorkin, like anything like that. Tarantino loves dialogue, which is part of why his movies appeal to me as, like, over the top as they are, there's so much talking that I love it. Um, mm -hmm. But this movie, man, I mean, it feels like we hit play and it's just talking the whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's Not it, so no much. explosions, no fights. Yeah. Where's the, where's the I chase? Think, yeah. Hey, where's the chase? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, so my, and what's tough is because that is another like subtlety that makes this movie so good. But so my, my super dump Ooh. is, uh, it feels like this movie is working against itself. And my super dump is only just being angry at, I feel like the movie is keeping itself from being seen by everybody that I want to watch this movie. Okay. <laughs> because of 
uh, you don't really get to lock into the pace unless you are paying 110% attention to this movie. That's true. And that's asking a lot of a two and a half hour long movie. Um, that's a good point. But that's also a good feeling at the end because you do need to naturally feel exhausted by this movie because you need to feel like Jake Gyllenhaal and Mark Ruffalo and everybody that has been chasing this the entire movie. All of our main characters are also exhausted. And I love that. It's kind of a meta yeah. like spiritual connection you have with the characters. But I think it was just... And it is tough. We talked about whether we're going to bring it up or not. I didn't want to... That was my super dump and I'm going to stay hard on it. But the fact that Bon Joon-ho said that this was basically a perfect movie. Make, this feels like sacrilege for me <laughs> for to, you to say, say this. Anything. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, well, and, and to your point, I, I, agree, I agree with you to an extent that it is like the, the jumping on point, the on-ramp to this movie is, is short and quick and asks, asks a lot of the audience. Um, Callie thought that she had seen this and about four minutes in, she was like, I really don't think that I have seen this movie. And all of a sudden this movie became very important to me. Like the, this <laughs> yeah. viewing all of a sudden I was like, okay, phones to the side. Like let's make sure we're right. really locked in and paying attention because it was like, how has she not seen this? Like, it's so important that she gets every bit of dialogue. Every, you know, it's, yeah. it's such a dense movie that I think you're right. It can be um, not just intimidating. Cause I think that's unfair to say like, Average moviegoers are intimidating. I think it's not just intimidating; right. it's genuinely a difficult um, pickup. Yeah, it's and dense. that's why it's a it's it's, it's yeah it's a tough super that's a tough super dump for me because that's also like a reason for the reverence around totally. this movie. It feels like when you go to Barnes and Noble to the DVD section, if that even exists anymore. Which one, Barnes and Noble only, or DVDs? Any of them. The only behind lock and key DVDs are always that silly criterion collection mm -hmm. that you've never heard of any of these things. And there's not that many copies because it's not going to be something that a bunch of people want to buy. But hey, if you know, you know, right. And you're willing to spend that extra for that experience. It totally feels like something like that to me, which makes it such a good movie. But I think I'm just angry about that because I think <laughs> more people need to see it. But it's it's whatever. I think it's it's the direct product of just a really smart artist. And I wouldn't really have wanted him to change anything about sure. it. Sure. Well, and I think, I think it, it's, it's sort of the same thing as like, um, you know, we talked in mini Monday about Stephen King. There's a book of his, I love 11, 22, 63. It's a fantastic book. It's pretty long. And so if you just casually suggest it to somebody, they see the length of the book and they go, no, I don't think so. And I hate it because it's hard to get people interested enough to read it. But at the same time, I, part of the reason I like it is it is long enough to go into really great detail about things. And so yeah. like, I mean, the thing I love about it is what is keeping some people from enjoying it. And so it's this weird love hate thing. And yeah. I, is this why I'm the only one who thinks Dune will make a billion dollars? Like, right. That is some like of my fear with people Dune. aren't bought into Dune because it's just too dense. Yeah. That is some I, of my I fear. I really think yeah. so. Cause I yeah. think Although that's what happened that trailer. With, with 2049. I mean, <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's dense too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And uh, we want to keep our, our podcast from being too dense, which is why we want to uh, hop on the off-ramp here for just a minute and head on over uh, to Shout Announcements. If you can hear us, Mr. E has trapped us inside of Shout Announcements. Send Hello, help. pod boys. <laughs> <laughs> you want to play a game? Do you guys ever think maybe we bit off more than we could chew with introducing Mr. E with no plan? And then now he's a completely improved, omnipotent character on our podcast canon. Yeah, yeah. You know how yeah. in the movie Hot Rod, 
he bites off more than he can chew, but that's also kind of the whole story and the reason to watch the movie. Maybe that's the reason to listen to our podcast. I feel like that's sort of our entire uh, unique <laughs> flavor. Is I dig it. I dig just it. Just chomping off a little more than is not only necessary, but wise even. Appropriate. Uh, with a bit. So I want to introduce you, our dear listener, maybe for the first time, but hopefully not the last, to a concept. And that concept is Patreon. Listen, we have some special bonus content. We're talking episodes. We're talking episodes that are game-centric. We need to do another one of those, by we the do. way. We do. Yeah, that was fun. We're also that talking access to special parts of the website. It's really, speaking of more than you can chew, Patreon is certainly that. And uh, this very week, or I'm sorry, last week, as of the release of this episode, we have uh, our Patreon episode for the Mr. E series, which is unfortunately Scoob. <laughs> uh, there's an exclamation point there. Scoob! Yeah. And uh, I mean, he- here is what I hope, is that Patreon can turn into less of extra episodes and more of a service that we offer. And in Scoob's case, that service is we watched it so that you don't have to. Yep. Yeah. Um, 100%. So if you want to hear us uh, randomly sing Matthew Lillard's praise of all people, uh, <laughs> what, what I'm going to need you to do is open up your heart and your wallet <clears throat> for $3 a month and get all that juicy Patreon content. Can I tell you something perfect that's happened? Yeah. As we were preparing that. for shout announcements. Yes. My good friend Jordan starts chomping on a peanut butter cup. White chocolate peanut and Reese's Thin, to be precise. Amazing. That's that's phenomenal. Um, I uh, as as he's having that candy, I can't help but think of the season that's coming. And then, no, not pumpkin spice, even though that's also coming. Uh, we're getting into the spooky season, spooky. and Zodiac feels like a good time to talk about the spooks because there's a there's a there's a good ten minute stretch here near the end of this movie that we'll talk about that I chose to watch most of, not all, because um, <laughs> it scared me so much. Uh, but speaking of those spooks, we're going to get something going here that I think is going to be pretty regular for the Junkies. We haven't really dove into Divin, the horror Divin. series. We haven't Divin Divin, into sorry. We haven't quite We haven't quite Divin into the horror <laughs> series just yet. Uh, but our next series is going to be Chunktober, the very first Chunktober. We have for you four movies, uh, well, five counting our Patreon, but we have for you four good, good horror movies kind of all over the place. We've got some more independent vibes. We've got some classics like The Shining, uh, but then we are going to have things like It Follows, Get Out, uh, and then uh, perhaps one of the most momentous points for me, uh, we're finally going to do my favorite movie of all time, which will be at the end of that, around our Halloween time. Cars 2. Uh, which, will be si- which will be Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Uh, and it is a movie that I have probably referenced every other episode <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the last two to three years. Uh, and now I get to spend an entire hour. Uh, well, I, that's actually going to end up being a four hour long episode. So just get ready. <laughs> I think we're, no. we're each going to get our own hour for that one. We'll get our own hour for that yeah, one. Great. But yeah, uh, very excited for Chunktober. That'll be next, uh, our next series. So in, in three weeks, we'll get that one started. Speaking of things being three weeks away, it is my duty as Carter's friend to remind you that this series actually starts two weeks from today. <laughs> Carter's, uh, the lambs that power Carter's brain went completely silent and left him to fend for himself. You know, that's something the movie doesn't today. talk about enough is that the lambs can go too far the opposite direction. They can stop they can't screaming, be too quiet. but then they can Sometimes, also just stop making any sound. They need to be a little loud so that 
we know they're there. Uh, something that's coming even sooner than the onset of Chunktober is going to be the Mr. E merch sweepstakes. Uh, <laughs> it's a chilling name. Uh, for a dark and nefarious event. Basically, Mr. E is going to be leaving uh, a couple of clues, a couple of hints, riddles, uh, whatever nomenclature you prefer. Those are going to be found on our Instagram. I like to call them who's-its. He's, He's going to leave some who's-its. Some who's-its on our Instagram. And what you need to do is read every single one of those who's-its. And when we post the last one, DM us the answers to those who's-its. If you get them correct, we're going to put you on our who's 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 it's list. Uh, and we're going to draw a name from the who's who of the who's it's list during our Knives Out episode. If we draw your name, then that means you potentially could win. Well, if we draw your name, you do win a, a merch item of your choosing. Uh, so you're going to want to stay tuned to our Instagram to check that stuff out. Uh, and be ready to answer those who's it's uh, the second that last one goes live. And you get to pick whatever merch item you want. You can pick... A uh, baby onesie. Uh, you can pick a mask. There are tote bags that you can get our logo on in case you're a school librarian and need to carry something, but also show support for your favorite three pod boys. There's a lot to love. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, here's the thing. I mentioned before we started recording that I had a difficult time coming up with a super dump. I think that was in the recording. Was it? It all blends together. I did come up with a super dump, and this is it. Tell us what it is, please. I'm acknowledging ahead of time that this is flimsy, and I don't care. But I, I do I do feel it. Um, after this movie was over, I started doing some research and looking into like the Zodiac more along the like factual lines of things. And um, I think just realizing that this movie, as intensely um, detail-oriented as Fincher was with like um, he flew in trees for the lake scene uh, because he wanted it to look <clears> as much <throat> like it did at the time that the stabbing happened. Wow. Um, built a set of the corner of uh, Maple and was it Heritage, Heritage and Maple or whatever. Um, did all this stuff, but um, he did kind of zero in on a couple famous um, suspects that aren't necessarily favored anymore as being the ones that did it. Now in my own research, I do find it pretty compelling that it was in fact, Arthur Lee Allen just personally. Um, but just knowing that there's more information out there, even at the time that the movie was being made, that there were maybe better people for it. Um, and I, I know that Arthur Lee Allen and Robert Graysmith are so tightly um, bound together and that that is the most interesting story to make a movie out of from this perspective. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is my super dump is 
it, it feels like maybe there is a more um, tightly woven Zodiac like crime story that was left on the cutting room floor in favor of a tightly woven narrative regarding Graysmith and Toski. Um, and I, I, I guess I just wish that there was a way that those two things could have coexisted yeah. in the same movie. Yeah. Your super dump isn't too far from mine sure. in terms of like, it's wishy-washy. Sure. Especially, I get especially it. because I really <clears throat> do after doing my own research kind of think it probably was Arthur Lee Allen, but that's Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but he dies of a heart attack, right? Like right before they were going to bring him in for questioning. Yeah, dude, so. you're telling me that this guy gets told, hey, we're bringing you in again and we really think it's you this time and then just happens to die of a heart attack? I mean, and and it infuriates me just on a separate note outside of the movie, zooming out, it infuriates me that in all likelihood we will never know who <laughs> was the Zodiac Killer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely it's infuriating. Tough, Little Stop. do we know, it's Steve Carell's best friend from Crazy Stupid Love the whole time. Wait, what? Were they best friends or was it oh, just he, <gasps> he was the dad? <laughs> they were good friends. I think they, they were good friends. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Did He's we not so talk about that when we watched this. Crazy Stupid Love a couple of years ago? Maybe we did. That he was the Zodiac Were we not killer? like her dad's the Zodiac mm. killer? Maybe we did. We might have. That was my very first episode. So that was a long there, time okay, here's, ago. Okay, here we go. I'm going to record it right now and then we'll go back and dynamic insertion. Put that in. Ready? Here we go. I'll punch in. <laughs> yeah, the crazy thing is that her dad's the Zodiac killer. <laughs> 2020. No, it's 2020 wow. right now. <laughs> we should do that movie someday. And scene. Well, now we'll insert that into the old episode. Oh, I said the wrong year, though, dude. Oh, man. (laughs) It's 2020 right now. He is is so creepy in this that I think I just completely unlinked him from any good movie ever. Yeah. He is. Have y'all seen seen Mindhunter? Yeah. No. Okay, you need to watch it. Only the first season. Just Just sitting down with that character and talking to him is the entire vibe of Mindhunter. If you enjoyed that... You'll love that. Fincher's involved in Mindhunter as well, isn't he? Very heavily. Yeah. yeah. I think he's the director. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, this guy is like scary Kevin Malone. <laughs> nope. He is. It's not Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> it's Kevin Malone. Now, <clears throat> I if we want to talk about creepiest suspects, though, I think we have to talk about the house. Yeah. That was almost my super pump. Yep. Almost your super Oof. pump or dump. Pump, because yeah, it is pump. just. I mean, it's like a. It's like oh. you accidentally turn on a horror movie like four fifths of the way through this. That is so scary. Uh, Jake is such a Jake Gyllenhaal is such a good like victim. Yes, actor too. he's a good scared boy. He's a quite the. He's a he's a quite the scared Dude. boy. So I, I, in you honor of for Super Mario 3D All Stars. Yeah. <laughs> Let's a Zodiac. Josh, choose your killer. (laughs) There is, I've seen this movie. This is probably my fifth or sixth time watching this movie. I think every time without fail, not many houses in California have basements. Ooh. And then he goes, this one does. (laughs) No, 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 no. The floorboards. Yes, man. He's like, do you want to go up and check? (laughs) Oh, it's. Doge, say it. Say your moment. Did you have a moment you were about to say? Yeah. I, that was the scariest part of that? No. The Okay. So it's weird. Oh. I feel the same way about you guys. This is like 
to me, the standout, the closest thing we get to an action, a sequence, a set piece in this movie is how terrifying the house is. <laughs> oh, I'm getting chills thinking about it right My now. My super dump is in this sequence. It's whenever, yeah, I know it's wild. It's whenever Jake Gyllenhaal is leaving the basement and we get like, to me, it, it took me out of the movie. It's a creepy, like, oh, of I know what you're going to say. Movie. When he just like gives him a turns little smile off. and click turns the light off. Yep. I was like, oh, uh, okay. a little, like you think it's a little heavy. It's a little much. <gasps> okay. We're already scared. We That's don't have fair. to be like Freddy, Freddy Krueger. Freddy yeah, Krueger. Yeah, when he Mellencamp. has knives for fingers, I was like, <laughs> yeah, get yeah, out yeah. of here, dude. You didn't hear me say Freddy Krueger Mellencamp, and that was funny. But <laughs> knives for fingers was also funny, too. Uh, that was good. No, I I I get where you're coming from for sure. It it all of a sudden feels like we're no longer watching something that happened. It's like the movie's winking at us that like, hey, this is scary, right? Sure. Like he's about to grow like demon teeth or something. Right. You know, um, and be like a monster. Now, I do wonder, because I know that there is... Because that's like a little, like slashery, I think is what I'm getting right. at. Is that, that feels like a slasher movie thing. And, and I don't know how widely yeah. held this belief is, but I have found it pretty compelling the couple times that I've looked into it. The idea that... Zodiac was not one person, but just several people taking sort of a Shakespeare theory situation, but like several people taking credit for murders under the the name of the Zodiac killer. And I, part of me wonders if like, is this an allusion to that? Like within the narrative of Graysmith is Fincher also kind of saying, Hey, I, I think that, you know, there's sure multiple people that were doing this. Yeah, you leave it open that maybe they're working together or something and he's writing the letters and scary Kevin's upstairs. You know, like because, I think you can, you can connect that, dots any way you want to there. The thing that right. it looks like is that if if they're unrelated, it's like, okay, Arthur Lee Allen, that's who we think the Zodiac Killer is. Can we go back for the poster guy, though, and at least send some cups there? Because something <clears> unsavory yeah, is happening. Yeah. He's doing something. Yeah. yeah. He locked the door yeah. from the inside with a key. I mean, yeah, come I don't like on. that. I think one of the uh, narrative undertones that I like the most about this movie is the influence of the media on oh, people good. and then vice good. versa and how that can go back and forth. Because we even, this movie's made in 2007 and it's about the 60s and 70s. We even get how there was just an assumption that the killer was a black male. And then we just kind of talk about that. And Mark Ruffalo comes in as a character of like, but that's not what it was. And then like this, these like little bit of this racial bias that happens there, but then also just how much people wanted to be the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that that's, that's something that's always been in us. It's just more magnified when we got social media. You're talking about people showing up and saying, yeah, my, you know, my cousin's the Zodiac killer or or, or wanting to be like that. right? Right. Like, uh, talking about a movie like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and the fact that that's out in the world is a little bit unsettling because much like it's people that want to take some kind of credit and live up to like wanting to be this, you know, that tat- people have that tattoo and they had it in the 60s. They're wearing buttons. Yeah. Like yeah. it actually became a merch, merch type thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's so interesting. And if, and, and if that was one of his main influences to be like, you know what, I want to, I want to do an in-depth movie about the first time media had a massive influence on people sure. and, and that affected the well, story, like, or one of the most recognizable About ones. the times as well, something that I think is so interesting and also so um, fascinating about the story because it could only happen at this exact time frame is this, this whole thing in real life, but it, they zero in on it in the movie as well. 
it could only have happened to the degree that it happened in a world where um, news media and um, like rapid conversation between TV, telephones and that stuff existed, but not so much so that po- local police departments were sharing information with one another. Yeah. Because that's part of why Zodiac was able to get away with this is police departments had information that would have been helpful for other police departments to have, but they were not yet sharing that information with each other. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Zodiac's intentionally planting that stuff for that right. reason, right? He's just giving ba- everybody pieces, so yeah. And you know, it feels good, it yeah. feels strange to, <clears throat> I, I don't, even in a situation so um, larger than life as the Zodiac Killer, and, and I know we're talking about a movie, I am completely hesitant to ever give like credit of any kind to somebody that's committing such like heinous actions um, in any way. And it feels, it feels wrong to say something like, you know, well, clearly he was an evil genius, especially because I think a lot of signs would point to, he was not in fact an evil genius and just happened to stumble his way perfectly through thwarting law enforcement. Um, but the, the fact, the fact still remains that, um, I mean, this is a story that has clearly taken a strong hold in the heart of people for a long time and has been scaring people for a long time. And I think that's, um, the fact that this movie exists about that story and is this good. Yeah. It's really just something to sit and kind of behold. I think it's amazing that this doesn't, doesn't end up feeling like a true crime documentary on, on AMC or A and E or whatever, you know, right. But it also doesn't feel in the same way as those those stumbled by trying to be too grounded and gritty. It doesn't feel sensationalized to me either necessarily. I think the music is a huge piece of that. Totally. The intentional use of music that contrasts with the actions that are happening on screen lends this kind of a pastiche, a, a little bit of an unreality that makes it easier to get invested in 1960s and 70s San Francisco. Yeah. Our scene uh, out by the lake... Uh, with that couple was voted as like one of the most, like one of the scariest scenes in movie history. Broad daylight, and it's man. just with it's just with how matter of fact it was, and it's terrifying to me. Like Very that, much, yeah, yeah. There, there are there are a handful of scenes uh, in Zodiac that stick with you, but the one that so Callie was still up in the air about whether or not she had for sure seen it. And the couple was out by the lake and she asked me some question and I was like, okay, I now know for a fact you have not seen this movie because you would remember this lake. Are they going to get married later? (laughs) You didn't tell me there was a love story. But wait, is he, so is he the Zodiac? Is he going to kill this girl? Like, no. No, I don't don't remember what she asked, but I just remember instantly going, yep, okay, you've never seen this. I think she asked if they were in Zodiac too. The Reckoning. Nope. Yeah. Nobody forgets that lake, you know, in the same way that nobody is going to forget that house at the end. Um, in the same way that the, that hardware store is burned into my brain. Like there are just these moments for, for a movie that is lacking, you know, you can't point to like, Oh, you know, it's, it's the big escape scene or, Oh, it's the big high scene or, Oh, it's that big explosion. Like you can't point to that. But, um, to somebody that has seen Zodiac, if I said, remember the lake, they're going to say, yep, I sure do. Mm. That warehouse to me, like the second that that we get that side profile shot of Gyllenhaal entering the the hardware store. Did I say warehouse? I meant yeah. hardware store. They're the same thing to my brain. Uh, <laughs> when he enters that hardware store, that to me gives me the same feeling as like when you're on a roller coaster and yep. you're coming around and you're like, I've ridden this a bunch of times. I know this is the last turn. 
But like, it was just that sense of like this, I don't know. Like it was just, and it's different than like the final scene of other movies, but it's just the final scene of like, it's kind of landing and it makes me, makes my stomach drop, you know? Yeah. Yep. And then we get, uh, the man in black at the airport from Westworld. Yes, we do at the Dude, very it took end. me that whole scene to figure out what I knew him from. I was like, uh, I know that I've seen him dirty and wearing jeans. And beyond that, I can't figure it out. We we yeah. watched he's got, uh, he's, It's Always Sunny at the beginning of quarantine for Callie's first time. Yeah. And he is uh, a pretty memorable character in that show. I'll say yes, that. So very much. It was pretty instant. Jimmy... That actor has, a, he's got a good Fincher face. He does have a good Fincher face. Is it Jimmy Smits? Yes. That sounds right. Wait, hold on. Then what's the guy's name that plays Bail Organa in the prequels? That might be Jimmy Smits. This, is, this guy's name is Jimmy something, though, and I'm going to find him, and it's Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy Smits is Bail Organa. Yeah. Okay. Boy, <laughs> I'm glad we could that solve straight. that. Yeah, good. No mystery here. <laughs> Okay, so some, somebody this else... This is the one part of our show Mr. E can't take from us. <laughs> While we're talking about cast, there there is somebody who um, I, I don't want to finish at all without talking about. Um, Tell me it's Chloe. It's Chloe. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. I, but I, I don't really feel like I have seen her in much else. I'm looking through her IMDb, and I've heard of several things that she's in, but I haven't actually watched most of these things. Yeah. But she is... Absolutely phenomenal in this. I mean, she, she she's good, and dude. she displays such range. Like between, she she's very good at kind of being awkward, which is great because Gray Smith is awkward as well. But that first date and how excited she is and how into him she is because he is kind and kind of aloof and weird. But then, like, there's like a measured frustration to her in Act Three of this movie. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'm so impressed with. Um, I am drawn to explosive performance, but when I am able to sit and chew on it, I am most impressed with very measured performance. That and would be she, such an easy role to overact. I think yep. you're exactly right. Like her measure, her restraint is really good in that. Well, I think because a lot of the times when we see a dynamic similar to this, that we as the viewer obviously are saying, okay, somebody's being taken for granted. Somebody's being neglected you're almost expecting in this relationship to have some kind of blow up. Yeah. Like she's going to throw or break something, but she does have this kind of quiet and like knowing frustration yeah. of like this, this was our first date, right? Like this is, I shouldn't be surprised maybe to an extent, but I really wish he would care about his family more. It, it kind of makes you feel for her for a bit, sure. for both of them. There, there is this exhaustion of like, yeah, I, you know, I knew who I knew this is who you were, but I thought maybe the enthusiasm would shift to another subject eventually. Um, right. but yeah, man, I, yeah. I, I really thought that she was super impressive in a, in a film that I would say is overall lacking in, uh, female characters. I think that she certainly, she, stands out really well. And honestly, uh, anytime that I get, uh, good grief, I need to remember her name. She is Tennifer in parks and recreation. Um, June, oh, Diane yeah. Raphael, anytime that I get a little bit more June, Diane Raphael in my life, I'm always excited about it. I think she's fantastic. She's this so is good. like the weirdest she, Avengers and mm. new girl crossover <laughs> between her, her and Dermot Mulroney. Oh yeah. I totally forgot. You know, you had to wear funny. a fat Mulroney. suit. His body looks like mine. He had to wear a fat suit. He was wearing a fat suit. Yeah, to get he. They were like, "You're too hot. Let's make you look more like Jordan's shape." 
That sucks. And throw a fat suit he's on wearing him. A, he's really wearing a fat suit yeah. in this. Are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, because Fincher was like, your character would not be in this good of a shape. A police chief in the si- late 60s, early 70s would not be skinny. Wow. Fitch, listen, man. Listen, man. If We've devoted a large portion of our episode last week talking about our confidence shirts, but we can go in the other direction real easily if we need yeah, to. Yeah, Finchy, if you need, Remember how if we, you need sort of like, like a pudgy white boy, don't go. I'm your guy. Dermot Mulroney. Call your boy Jay Wundies. Yeah. Do you remember us talking about, I think it was on a mini Monday a while ago, but Jason Siegel lost a job uh, as a role because the director didn't feel like it would be believable that, that this hot co-star would love him <laughs> or be attracted yes. to him. <laughs> what? That would be, that would be <laughs> the slot think of that this. I would slide into really nicely in Hollywood. Sort of a Jason Siegel like mm-hmm. We were going to cast you as like a Jennifer Aniston love interest, but there's just no way, dude. So, yeah. Yeah. Like Seth Rogen's most recent movie with Charlize Theron. Like he knows he's been typecasted as not the pretty one. Yeah. Right. Isn't that the like, joke? how does that feel? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's something like that. But the fact that like, yeah, they, you're playing the role and just knowing, hey, this was blatant enough that this was a Well, story I want to say that it takes. Like people need to see the poster and be like, oh, like, that's not a I, I want to be <laughs> able sucks. to be like. It probably takes a huge amount of self-awareness, but like if I'm self-aware enough and there are moments I can trick myself into being like, you're a handsome devil. But then like, if I'm self-aware enough to know that I am not Hollywood good looking, just like maybe on the street, like not vomit inducing, then I think that Jason Siegel having walked into audition after audition after audition probably knows what's up. Yeah. 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 He, he, he's and I don't remember how we got here. Dermot Mulroney. Um, yeah. Wearing a fat suit, he, he's You're it's kidding depressing. me. You're kidding me. It's like still hot though. Yeah, still hot. Still though. real, still hot, real though. hot. I mean, it's still yeah. Callie, Callie goes. Dermot Moroni's in this, and I was like, yeah, just wait. And then she didn't even notice the fat suit because his face is too hot. Yeah, I didn't notice the fat suit. Yeah, nobody's looking no. at the fat suit. Is that the case for this me? I'll tell too? myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll just. That's what I need to believe for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna tell people it's a fat yeah. suit. I'm, I'm <laughs> method acting for a role. Under listen, underneath this, I'm Dermot Mulroney, baby. I'm kind of going for a 1960s Chicago like detective vibe today, guys. I'm gonna add about 10 to 12 pounds. Hey, I'm sorry that I look like the guy who caught the Zodiac killer. I guess you want something else in a man. Is it is it this <laughs> movie? I I'm trying to remember. We've watched several detective-related movies recently, shocking enough. Is it this movie where somebody walks into a room and said, uh, what's up with the trench coat convention? No, that's the fugitive. Sorry. Yep, yep. I just don't talk Get again for the here. rest of the Let's episode. Rate Let's thing. rate Let's this rate movie. You know, here at Two Chunks and a Hunk, we have figured out the perfect way to rent movies, but legally, due to the contract signed in my own blood with Mr. E, I am not allowed to tell you what that is. I'm going to have to let him do that for us. The best thing they could say about this movie is own it, don't lend it, buy that poster. The next best thing is buy it, followed by rent it, and then Stream it. Almost the worst is forget it. Lastly, and worst, God hath forsaken us. <laughs> I will go first. Says you. Yeah. Okay. No, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking more of like blocking, like as if I'm reading a oh. script. So it's like, says Jordan. <laughs> so go ahead. Jordan, Jordan said. <laughs> Interstage right, Jordan. I am buying this poster, duh. This movie is phenomenal. Um, I genuinely could 
play it again right now. Um, it's that long. I watched it last night and I could watch it again literally right now. Um, I love this movie. Uh, probably now that I reflect on it a little more, probably a top 10, uh, potentially a top five. Haven't really thought about it too much, but Whoa. I think, I think a pretty easy top 10 for me. Uh, I'm going to buy it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's just because it doesn't feel quite good enough that if I have somebody, so like, I'm going to try and convince anybody, whether they say they can't do horror or thriller to see something like Silence of the Lambs. You know, it's like, hey, I don't do I don't do well with blood. Okay, just get over it and watch Gone Girl. Right. I know there's gonna be a scene that's gonna make you gross out. But if people are like, Yeah, I'm not too hot on like if the pace is kind of like if I catch a whiff that you're not gonna be into it, I'm probably not gonna recommend it to you, which makes me feel like it's not a buy the poster for me. I'm not dying on the hill of the Zodiac, but I'm close. Like I, I will, I will buy it's, it. Though. It's so funny. And again, I completely that, agree with everything you're saying. It just doesn't change. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. it's just right, doesn't yeah. change my rating, but I completely agree. Like if somebody was like, I don't yeah. do slow movies, I wouldn't be like, well, I have the one that will cure you. Like I would be like, okay, don't watch this. It's wasted on me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. This could be an easy peasy poster for me guys. Yeah. Boy. Uh, this just, it's fantastic. It's so hard to find a super dump for me. It's got it's got the special poster sauce that I can't describe. It's mustard, it mayonnaise, Thousand Island, and some grilled onions, I think. So it's cane sauce. Or it's animals. It's, it's animal, animal sauce. That's animal yeah, sauce, my it's man. Animal sauce from In N Out. No, your sauce is broken. It's that Rick and Morty <laughs> sauce. Zodiac haunted me right to my very <clears throat> core. And for that reason, I'm buying the poster. Yeah, it really is so good. This has been a killer series and I'm super stoked that we still have one more left. What if, what if Mr. E's darkest power is how kind he's been to us to make us watch these good movies? Honestly. Hey, if I'm being real with how dark he's gotten, I'm down with that twist. I'm down if our Mr. E twist is I'm that down. he's just sort of like a creepy Santa Claus trying to do his best. Yeah, spooky claws. It's Santa's brother. Sa- no, it's Santa Claus. Yes, wonderful. That's definitely a that's a movie for sure. Yeah, literally, it's got to be a Christmas probably. horror movie. But uh, <clears throat> we still have one more week in the Mister E series. After this, uh, we are going to be uh, watching and discussing Knives Out from 2019. Yes. Cannot wait. Yes, this has been such a strange series. This was the last like, movie that I saw in theaters. I think me too. Actually, probably it's, me. It's as so well. funny. I. It's like every week we finish talking about the movie we're talking about. And then I'm like, oh, what's next? Okay. Carter is showing us Santa Claus, C-L-A-W-S. That's it's exactly what I hoped Santa, it would be. Which is very good. Oh, and now Santa Claus. Oh, they're cats. It feels like Santa Paws maybe would have been the better name for that well, one. Well, that one already exists. That's an Air Bud sequel. It's a holiday catastrophe, says the tagline for Santa Paws. Or Claus, no. sorry. Keep going. Knives out. Check it out. It's going to be great. Speaking of great things, it'd be great if you rate and review our show. It'd be great if you rate and review our show. It'd be great if you rate and review our show. So it'd be great if you rate and review our show. (laughs) Do that wherever you find your podcasts. To close today's episode. This is genuinely, I think, the first time you haven't said to end oh, no. today's episode. That's like burned in my brain. To end today's episode. Thank you. Just really Josh Gaddett. Get real high up there. To end today's episode, 
Yeah. That was amazing. That was so good. I would like for us each to say our name and what we would be famous for doing serially across the nation. I'm Jordan Wonders, and this winter, don't get scared when your tires are full on a cold morning because the Zodiac Tire Filler Upper is driving around, (laughs) airing up your tires so you make it to work safe, warm, and on time. Amazing. I'm Doge, and the one thing I'm known for across this great land from sea to shining sea is for being the sci-fi slash mystery loomer. And that means that I just hang out in those sections of every bookstore. I walk in, immediately walk there and go, hmm, I wonder if this is the time I'm going to buy Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. No, 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 no. Maybe not. You're the Hmm. guy who, when you hear people from the next aisle over go, I'm looking for something with aliens. They just hear a voice go, three body problem. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that's actually exactly Uh, me. That's real life. (laughs) That's a true crime story. Who said that? That's very good. Um, I'm Carter, and it's it's a little tougher for me to work right now with the delivery service being the main way of eating out. But uh, if you ever get to a restaurant and you ask for ranch and they say, sorry, oh, we no just way. ran out, um, that's because of me. That's because I came in and Ron Swanson and said, I want you to give me as much ranch as you legally can. Uh, and I probably, I, I tend to siphon that out of people because I'm a, I'm a big ranch boy. You heard it here first and last. Ladies and gentlemen, Carter is a big ranch boy. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Dermot could not play <laughs> me in a movie. Not, <laughs> no room for handsome ranch boys here. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.